The JT and Looney podcast is property of JT and Looney. Any rebroadcast of the JT and Looney podcast without the express written consent of JT, Looney, and anabolic steroids is absolutely prohibited. This is the best damn sports show, period. I've never said it before. Yes, I was sent on a private jet to Reno where a nameless driver picked me up in a limo at the airport. I met with the governor and Sheldon Adelson, and I came up with the idea to move the Raiders to Las Vegas. I knew it the entire time. I knew it. The JT and Looney Podcast. I have a golden doodle. Episode 29. And now, the main event of the evening. 12 rounds of boxing. Let me report to you from Vegas, and I am known to exaggerate, but please let me do it here. This is crazy. It's the perfect storm, as crowded as I've ever seen Studio B. Our buddy Scotty Gertner says hello to you, the MGM, and every hip-hop station, rock station, radio station has come in on steroids for this heavyweight fight. And, Tom, it's one of the biggest promotions I've seen, arguably right up there with Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. Well, boxing in general has always believed that there's trickle-down economics, that if the heavyweights are doing well and if you've got a glamorous heavyweight division, then the sport is healthier. And we haven't had a glamorous heavyweight division in a long, long time. And this is a, a big fight and a glamorous fight. And Deontay Wilder is very charismatic. And Tyson Fury is very eccentric and, and, and Irish and, and tough. And it should be a great fight. The last one was, and why wouldn't this one? Yeah, and explain to everyone the first time we were at a Super Bowl and met Deontay Wilder, and we were the only ones who could interview him because we knew how to pronounce Deontay, as right. everyone else on Radio Row was scared <laughs> to death to meet this kid because they couldn't pronounce his name. I know, and it's not that hard. It's just it's spelled like, you know, it's pronounced like it looks. But for some reason still in, uh, in 2020, talk show hosts can't get beyond names like Tom and Bob. They can't do Antetokounmpo or Deontay Wilder. And it was First of all, the first thing that strikes you when you meet Deontay Wilder, who's been a very social heavyweight champion, we've seen him and had him on quite a, quite a number of times, uh, his size, his size strikes you. The heavyweights since 2000 uh, in Lennox Lewis have been super heavyweights. They've been giant guys, rock em, sock em robots with the Klitschko brothers and Lennox Lewis and now Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. These guys, Tyson Fury... And dare I say this, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, Lennox Lewis, or even either of the Klitschko brothers would have destroyed guys like Rocky Marciano and Joe Lewis. And those, because they were just, those guys, Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano was 5'10 and 185. These guys are enormous. And Deontay Wilder, although sloppy, can, can knock you out with either hand. These are the two biggest, two of the biggest heavyweights of all time. I spoke to Bob Arum earlier in the day, and I'll get to that in a little bit. But I will tell you, if you look at the size of them, they're just enormous. And their records, you know I love me an undefeated boxer. Mm -hmm. right. uh, Wilder, 42-0-1, 41 KOs. Fury, 29-0-1 with 20 KOs. And let me tell you why I think this promotion is working so well. It's because both of these fighters are promoting the fight at a level 
that I haven't seen. They're doing press, yep. internet, they're doing podcasts and blogs, they're doing a ton of TV. And back in the old days, if it was an HBO fight, we would we wouldn't dare put anyone on from Showtime. I'd have to get permission right. to get Al Bernstein on. And if it was a Showtime fight, you know, Jim Lampley, we couldn't use right. because we were there on Radio Row. Tom, all the gloves are off now. Fox, Fox Sports One, ESPN, ESPN Plus. Everybody's all everybody, in. Everybody's all in knowing how important this fight is. And I think both of these guys, what I like about it is I didn't know if the promotion was going to be a little bit fake because both these guys would have to go out and sell pay-per-views. The second Deontay Wilder started getting pushed to the limit by Fury because Fury's been in Vegas for a long time. He's been training in Vegas as Wilder has been training in Birmingham, Alabama. So now that Fury has been here, he's going to Vegas Golden Knight games, he's training and running on the strip, and he's on the news, the local news every night for well over a month. Wilder is now getting a little bit ruffled, and Wilder crossed the line when he said, hey, to Fury, you were a cokehead, you had some mental illness going on, and I sat back and I said, whoa, okay, so that means Wilder is done with being pushed around where Fury's saying, I'm going to knock you out in the second. I brought you to this fight. Wilder finally crossed the line and it started to attack back. So now I don't think that these guys like each other much, even though they respect each other. Well, a lot of times too, you never know how much professional wrestling type stuff is going on. They know they have to promote the fight. And I think that's a lot of what happens. What happens a lot, and it's not always rocket scientists who are champions. What happens a lot is... They start to talk trash, and then it's for the sake of selling tickets, but then they're only human, and they start to get upset when one guy or another crosses the line. And that's what uh, it appears has happened. But is it really crossing the line? Tyson Fury's been very open about having drug and mental health issues. So uh, if he's being open about it, it's probably not going to work to throw it at him because he talks about it before you do. So uh, he wears it. You know, as uh, not as a badge of honor, but he's being very open as uh, as millennials are. JT, very they own. He owns what he is. They millennials are very good at owning who they are, and so I don't know if it's really going to bother Tyson Fury. Yeah, the big thing that jumps out at me is Fury's a guy who really looks like he's off a bit. Like, he's crazy. He's Game of Thrones crazy. Yeah. He's one of those guys, the Gypsy King, who grew up fighting in the streets, fighting for money. You saw the behind-the-scenes really, documentaries. You know, it's crazy. This, this isn't really like us to do, but just to paint the picture for anybody who's not paying that close attention, because it's interesting you mentioned the Game of Thrones. A lot of there's big, ugly guys on Game of Thrones. And he, you know, he's not a matinee idol. And uh, we very seldom, in the entire time I've ever worked with you, uh, you know, took shots at what people look like. But he is one of those goonish-looking Game of Thrones characters. He is big. He is nasty. He is strong. He outweighs Wilder by a bunch. And if you look at the numbers here, and these two guys, they're big men. Uh, something's got to give. And and one more thing before we get to the height, the re reach, and the weight, is that I, I still think these fighters are flawed. Because Ali was flawless. He had unbelievable footwork. Right. He had the great jab. He had the power right. He could throw the left mm -hmm. hook. And then when we saw Mike Tyson come into the sport and Tyson would bob his head and then get in a crouch and mm -hmm. then explode with an uppercut, these guys don't have that. All that Wilder has is a monster overhead right, yep. which is one of the most powerful punches that we see today. 
And Fury is more of a boxer where he'll box and throw jabs, but he's not a perfect boxer. So both of these guys come in with some flaws here, but that's what's good about the fight. And styles make fights. Both of these fighters are powerful, but they got flaws that the other boxer could take advantage of. That's why I love this matchup. Deontay Wilder has the perfect last name. That is how he fights. It's kind of a flawed style. I thought uh, when he, I thought he would lose before he has because he can be sloppy. But he, he, he kind of lulls the other fighter into the sense of comfort and loses the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth round. In so many fights, he seems to be behind on points. And then lightning strikes, and he knocks guys out. And I, one of the most impressive things I've ever seen you know, was if you hark him all the way back to Larry Holmes would get hit and get knocked out, but then get up by the count of nine and keep fighting. Tyson Fury seems to be a guy that can do the same thing. No, he is a guy that can do the same thing. We saw it in the last fight, and you're talking about how they're flawed. Yeah, they don't have chiseled, chiseled bodies like MMA guys or Evander Holofield did back in the day. They, uh, especially with Tyson Fury. His body is a dad bod. It's a, he doesn't have abs. and he's, But there's no doubting that he's one of the toughest men on the planet, if not the toughest. I think it's going to be a great promotion. I think it's going to do a big number because both of these guys are huge heavyweights. The last fight was absolutely incredible because I thought Fury was ahead significantly. Mm -hmm. Often when someone gets knocked down violently the way that Fury did at the end of that fight, and he could have been counted out quicker. The tailor, You could look at yeah. that video again. They could have started it earlier, but Fury got up. And Fury lost the round, and he lost it on a 10-8 round because he got knocked down. But, Tom, he was so far ahead in my scorecard that even though it was a draw and Wilder retained his title, I thought Fury did enough to win the fight, but the eyeball test was him getting knocked down violently in that last round, and that hurt him in the judge's eyes. And I don't think he wants to get knocked down again. I really believe that Fury's going to come out. He's saying he's going to knock him out in the second, which is ridiculous ridiculous right because wilder deserves better than that but there's something crazy about fury i've seen him a two or three times up close this week he's all in he's not effing around he wants to knock him out and i don't think that fury wants to go late into this fight i don't think he wants to be around in the ninth tenth or eleventh because he knows that wilder will come around and, and tag him probably yeah, wilder is the type of guy that can be a slow starter and the more rounds you fight with deontay wilder the more more likely that you're going to be looking up at the lights as Tyson Fury found out. So that's probably why why he furiously wants to uh, get, get an early round, uh, an early knockout. But he's got a new trainer. You always have to wonder, well, do you really want to change anything? It was a draw with the heavyweight champion. A lot of people thought you won. Tyson Fury, why would you change trainers? He's got our friend Emmanuel Stewart's nephew, I think, yep. who's training him. And uh, and that's kind of exciting because, I, oh God, I love Emmanuel Stewart. He was one of the great guys in boxing, one of the great interviews in boxing. So it's nice to have his DNA back in the game. And will it make a difference for Tyson Fury? We're going to find out. Two orthodox boxers, but check this out. Tyson Fury, six foot nine. <laughs> Six foot nine, 260 pounds, 58 to 260, uh, depending on what he's going to try to drop right before the fight. Uh, Deontay Wilder comes in six foot seven, 
to two inches smaller, uh, 212 pounds. I think he'll come in around that number there. So there's a big weight disparity between the two boxers, a little bit of height when it comes to this, but man, they're both bombers. And I think Fury who can fight better. I think he's more technical as you know, and I've said this to Deontay to his face. I just wish he was a better boxer. His hands are always low. I can't believe that he's gotten away with keeping his hands low. And there's been boxers who have tagged him before. He's got to keep his hands up in this fight. And remember, Fury got cut in a recent fight. I've seen his last two fights. He got cut in a recent fight. And a lot of people are worried in Vegas that if Wilder hits him early in the eyes that he'll cut easily and there could be a blood problem early in this fight and Fury might have to end it quicker. Cuts in boxing are like pulled hamstrings for wide receivers in football. Once you pulled it once, then you're then you're more prone to pull it again and again and again. And in boxing, once you're prone to cuts, it's easier to get cut on that same scar tissue if you get punched again and again and again. And that's what you do for a living. So that could be an issue with Tyson Fury. But we don't predict injuries on the show, JT. We just have to go with the skills they have before we make our predictions. Okay, who wins the fight? As we got a lot to cover here on this podcast edition, we're going to mix it in with the NFL. I'll go first. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is tough because I've nailed the last couple of fights, and I had it right the exact round in the as knockout. As long as I've been with you, you've been a good predictor. I'm pretty good at predicting, and I had yep. the knockout for uh, King Kong Ortiz, and Ortiz was dominating that fight, dominating that yep. fight. He Wilder would have lost on points, no doubt. Uh, I believe in Fury this time. I think that Fury has something going, a level of craziness, training, the ability to do great things in this fight. But I'm still going to stay with Deontay Wilder. I have Wilder in a 10th round TKO stoppage. I think that Fury is going to come out. He's going to try to hurt him early. I think he will hurt Deontay early. I think Deontay will stabilize a couple of rounds. Maybe the fifth or sixth round will be around where they're trying to get their legs underneath them. They try to get their cardio back. And then the bomb squad is going to start firing away. I think he's going to hit him with a forehead shot or something behind his ear, something that's going to be unconventional. It's going to waver Fury a little bit. And then I think he puts him away in the 10th round. Who puts who away in the 10th round? Deontay Wilder wins with a 10th round TKO. Uh And I think, and I really like Fury coming into this fight. I love him more than ever, but I'm just not going to break my streak with Deontay Wilder. Who's been very good to me when it comes to predictions. Yeah. And that's a very safe prediction. And I don't mean that as a a, a shot at you. It's because that's the way Wilder fights. It's not going to, this fight's not going to end early. Uh, There's a chance that could always happen with heavyweights, but most likely not these two guys. There's plenty of reasons to pick Fury, as you were pointing out. I mean, after the last fight, he made Wilder look like an amateur, you know, for the first four or five rounds. But then Wilder rose from uh, just the, the ashes of a slow start, as he always does. It was one of the most dramatic heavyweight knockdowns we've ever seen when Deontay Wilder knocked down Tyson Fury, knocked him out, it seems. And Tyson Fury was able to get up. Off, off the canvas, like so many great warriors do, putting their lives on the line for our entertainment. Wouldn't be, it wouldn't really surprise me if Tyson Fury boxed Wilder silly uh, for 12 boring rounds. That could always happen in any of these great fights because great fighters don't always make mistakes, but these two do. And that is what can make this really explosive. And we've seen this before. You know, Wilder was flailing across the ring, as you mentioned, against Luis Ortiz in 2018 and outpunched and outskilled 
for six or eight rounds and, and both of their rematches and still won them. It's my flat out guess. This is exactly what's going to happen the way that you said it was going to happen. Wilder will be the lesser boxer. He'll look dreadful at times. We'll seem that uh, it'll seem like a loss is an imminent formality. And then lightning will strike on behalf of Deontay Wilder and he will knock out Tyson Fury late in this fight. I'm saying round 11, JT. I'm rubbing my temples. I believe round 11 will be when this fight will end. And the referee will grab the arm of Deontay Wilder and hold it high in the air. I would be very disappointed if this wasn't a great fight because you and I have been to so many, and a lot of the Floyd fights, we go in saying, oh, I hope we see something great. I hope it's different, and it never is. Mm -hmm. And it's Floyd going up seven rounds to none and then just boxing the rest of the way. Pacquiao has given us so many great fight nights in Vegas together. I got high expectations, Tom, for this one. I really do. I think it could be a second, third, or fourth round knockout for either boxer because I think they're coming in big. They want to knock each other out, or it could go 10, 11, or 12. But I hope it's not a split decision on a boxing match oh, I know. where I two know. guys are jabbing away. Because one thing about Wilder, you know he's not there to throw jabs. And I think Fury typically more the tactician, the guy who's going to throw the jab and be more technical. I really think he wants to get Wilder out there early and get him into the deep water and put it away because his cardio is not going to be as good as Deontay once we get past the eighth or ninth round. Well, we both love the sport, and what's always good for the sport is a knockout because decisions aren't good for the sport because decisions are made by humans. And two people can see the same thing, uh, whether it's a car accident or a fight, and two people, one or, or, or a purse snatching, and one people say, well, one person will say the guy was black, and the other will say the guy was Chinese, and so no two people see a fight alike, and so a lot, and then there's people who think it's all fixed, which is crazy, and that's why knockouts are perfect. And in this fight, you got guys who make mistakes. With Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao, we hyped that fight, but we forgot to tell people they don't make mistakes. It could be boring. In this case. Uh, these guys make mistakes, and so I don't, I don't think there's a chance it'll be boring. There will be fireworks in this fight, guaranteed. No doubt about it. So that's what we have for boxing. Again, we love boxing. We've been credible with it because we talk about it year-round, not just during the big fights or the big events. We love boxing and hope this delivers. Hmm. Now, rarely do I get shocked in sports, but mm -hmm. this Astros cheating scandal every day is the gift that keeps on giving. I yep. mean, every day, the scandal with the Astros in 2017 and how they cheated and everything that went on is incredible. And now more and more players are coming out because they feel safe to come out because everybody else did. You know, Cody Bellinger comes out. Mm -hmm. Mike Trout comes out. Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Justin Turner. Everybody's doing it. And Rob Manford, the commissioner of baseball, when he – when he called the commissioner's trophy a oh. piece of metal, oh. lost the room, and we haven't even gotten to the Red Sox decision. So I want to spend more on the NFL in this podcast, but let me tell you, Tom, mm -hmm. however this develops, whatever happens next, this is a Mount Rushmore baseball scandal because I think the biggest scandal in baseball history is race because we didn't let minorities and African-Americans play. We wouldn't right. let Josh Gibson play. And Jackie Robinson had to break the color barrier. The, uh, uh, the Black Sox scandal, Pete Rose and gambling, the steroid era. But this one, 
is a doozy, man. This one's going to knock one of those four off because it's a forest fire, and we don't have enough water to put it out. And we're going to be reminded of it year in and year out yes. and game in and game out. Forget year in and year out because bigger stories will come in, and there'll be bigger news stories and sports stories. But let's just stick with this year when guys are going to be plunking balls at the Houston Astros over and over and over again. Guys are going to get thrown out of games. And so that, so there's going to be a constant reminder. And I'm just so surprised that a commissioner of any sport would do that because how does it feel, you know, when your girlfriend wants to get married and you say, ah, marriage and guys love to say, eh, marriage is just a piece of paper. Now, how did, how would that go over if you had said that to your wife <laughs> back, back in the day? It wouldn't have gone over well. It never does. He didn't know that before he, that came out of his mouth. You know that I like Roger Goodell. And yes. I've said for years that Roger Goodell wasn't in the elevator in Atlantic City when Ray Rice right. punched his fiance at the time. Roger Goodell wasn't up in the press box during Spygate. He didn't do this. Mm -hmm. He just he's evaluated by how he cleans up these scandals. Mm -hmm. And they even took Tom Brady, by the way, to federal court and beat him. Not the local courthouse. They went to federal right. court to take down Tom Brady for a four game suspension. I thought so much more of Rod Manfred as the commissioner. I had nothing negative to say about him, unlike Gary Bettman, and I've been open to the criticism of Goodell. But Rob Manford, in a matter of a month or two and a half to three weeks, with the way he's handled this PR crisis, he's going to lose his job. Let me tell you how he's going to lose it. The owners vote him in, and he takes care of the owners. And everybody says the same mm -hmm. thing. Well, the owners will keep him there. He's making the money. No. What's going to happen is the owners are going to have an owner's meeting, and one owner. Just one is going to step up and say, you know something? My franchise isn't doing well. I'm not happy locally in my city because of this scandal. And I can't get away from this problem. My fans are pissed off, and it's a black eye. Let's have a private meeting and a vote. And that's how it's going to begin. And eventually, they're going to get a majority. They're going to vote out Rob Manford for the way that he mishandled one of the great sagas I've ever seen in baseball history. Well, yeah, they don't like this type. They don't like any the, – the owners of any professional sports league don't like when their commissioner is a lightning rod. And Manfred, with that one comment, at the most important time he needed to speak into a microphone in his tenure, blew it. And they don't want to be answering any questions about the commissioner. And so this probably you're probably right. He's probably not long for this world in that job. And you made an interesting point. We talked about it before the podcast. The amount of violence, and I don't condone violence. No one does. But let me tell you what's going to happen here. The mm -hmm. Astro fans better take the year off. The Astro fans have been building and building since before 2017, you see them in Anaheim. You see them at Dodger Stadium. They road trip to Boston. Houston is a major market, massive population, huge market. Those fans better take the year off because we've seen violence, Tom, in Anaheim. We've seen it in Los Angeles. We've seen it in Philly and New York. We don't condone it at all, but you got to have big balls. If you're an Astros fan and you're going to get your jersey and get on an airplane and travel, anywhere in the country to go support your team this year because oh. the fans are triggered all over baseball. I can promise yeah. you. Yeah, and, and what are they going to do? The All-Star Games at Dodger Stadium. Uh, are any Astros going to make the All-Star team? And if they do, 
are they going to go to Dodger Stadium? I mean, there's a lot, a little, there's, there's stories like this. They're going to keep popping up all year long in baseball, and those who run baseball are not going to be happy about it because you're, we're going to get reminded day in and day out. And there are teams, and they're also going to be, there's going to be these stories that are going to go viral. And the stories are going to be that leagues and little league, uh, little league organizers in Southern California, Northern California, and in Wyoming aren't going to want to have any little Astros teams. Yeah. Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania already dropped it in a 30 team league. So yeah, it's happening. And one of the things I love about working with you is you love crime dramas. You follow judge Lance Ito and OJ better than everyone in March. The world's foremost authority on the OJ Simpson trial, just in case our listeners didn't know that. What's fascinating about this story is that Rob Manford couldn't get any information, couldn't get any in this investigation unless he gave the players immunity. Mm-hmm. They had to have immunity. And then once they did, these scoundrels, these Astros after Mike Fires, who was pitching for the Astros before the A's, ratted out his team. Tony Kornheiser called called them a hero for doing that because he exposed this cheating franchise. Yeah, someone's rat is always someone's hero. Yep. And and clearly that's how the ball got rolling. And then the union. The powerful union that Joe Biden likes. A lot of people love unions. I grew oh, yes. up with buddies of mine who are in unions. They're cops. They work yeah, at UPS. Too. They're the teachers. Yes. Well, the union is so powerful in baseball that the players aren't getting suspended. Chaos is all around us. And these scoundrels who had who had to admit and were called out at spring training and had to tell their story uncomfortably are not going to be suspended and lose games and money because of immunity. What do you think of that? Well, I will tell you this. I always talk about Bobby and Grubba. There's Grubba, the prison guard, and my friend Bobby, both of those that I grew up with. Uh, they, back when they named you know, Grubba's real name is Scott. You, you you were a big fan of when they named kids Bobby and Scott back in the day. <laughs> That's right. Instead of Trevor and, and Sunshine. And uh, Bobby is the president of the Steelworkers Union, something, something local in upstate New York. So I was surrounded by unions as well. And they're out there, yes, to protect the common man. I'm a big fan of the unions. Well, and also remember when I, my name is John Scott. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. you did yeah. not know that. I'm giving great information <laughs> on the podcast. The more unstable I get in radio <laughs> and the more, the more opportunities and more hours I'm working, I give you all these nuggets. I even told, uh, I forgot to tell you this. I even told, because we were talking about the Westminster Dog Show. Yeah, and I had Chris Myers on, and Chris Myers comes on the radio with me all the time. And I go, Chris, because you know you could never rattle Chris Myers. You can't. He's just yeah, the ultimate always pro. Always try. All right. And I go, Chris, I'm going to wrap up this interview with something I've never said in my career. I have a golden doodle. As I'm broadcasting from my wife's walk-in closet, I admitted that I have a golden doodle, and I went on to say it's more retriever than doodle or poodle right I mean, it's like it, it will go ch- you can take this dog hunting it would do right. anything it, it fetches it goes it's on smart like a poodle it's yep, smart yep. but uh <laughs> i had to make it clear that my golden doodle has much more retriever or i just wouldn't have felt manly enough so i got it out <laughs> are you okay with that are you okay with that now i yes i am okay with that as you know my stepdog i have three dogs and a stepdog that i inherited from a friend who passed on and that stepdog is an aussie doodle those those doodle combos are, are, are smart Fun, great dog. And your dog is one of a kind. You mentioned about crime dramas. And since we're talking about criminals and the Houston mm-hmm. Astros, let me plug on Netflix, the limited series, 
Evil Genius. Ooh. About about a bank robbery in Erie, Pennsylvania. We got a lot of calls, remember, back in the day from Erie, which is nicknamed Dreary because the sun never shines. They always have odd crimes there. And there was a bank robbery. Do you remember when the pizza delivery guy had a bomb tied around his neck? Yes. And there was a scavenger hunt, and they had to get the four keys before the bomb went up, but the cops didn't believe. The cops didn't know what to do, and the bomb just blew up around the guy's neck. Well, it took them eight years to solve that crime, and it involved local geniuses and eccentrics and prostitutes, and it's a fascinating story. Incredible. Can't Evil wait for genius that. on Netflix. He's going to pitch it out to He Hate Me. He's got running room. He's in. Touchdown. He Hate Me in Vegas goes up 6 nothing. What a bomb was dropped in the end. I love this story. So we find out that the owners who were in New York on Thursday ahead of the collective bargaining agreement, Ugh. and they needed to come together with a new deal with the players. And we find out quickly that the owners are so organized they have it all planned out, presented to the players and the players' union, and they've already voted on it. So it passed on Thursday in New York that the owners got the vote across so they don't have to table it and talk about it. Now it's given to the players to vote on, and most people think the players are going to vote for it. Here's what happens. Not this upcoming season, but next season will go to a 17-game schedule. And we could debate that at another podcast. Okay. And they're going to go from four preseason games to three. Okay, we can all live with that. Mm-hmm. But, it, but here's the big one. We're going from six playoff teams to seven. <laughs> oh, oh, I love this. And let me tell you why. So we're going from six to seven playoff teams. And the one seed is going to get the bye week. So we have it now where the one and two seed get the bye week. Right. And then we have the wild card rounds. So the one seed will get the bye week, and then we'll slot it team two all the way to seven in both the AFC and the NFC. And here's why I love this. And it's going to pass and it's going to happen this season because Tom, everyone now is fighting for the seven seed, the Buffalo bills, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Cleveland Browns. I call it the Cleveland Brown rule. Imagine if the Browns had this rule for the last 30, 40 years where they could come into the season and say, we can't catch the Steelers and Mr. Rooney and his six Super Bowls. We can't catch the Ravens and Ray Lewis, but we can come in seventh. And I love it because it's going to add another playoff team. And then on wild card weekend, we're going to have three games on Saturday and three games on Sunday, and we're going to get an extra playoff team. What do you think? Well, when I had my younger, less developed brain, JT, I was always fighting against changing the rules in the NFL. And almost every time they've done it, not about penalties, but about the way the game is played, they've been right. I didn't like when they went from from uh, you know, the, from just an extra point to where you could go for two. God, it's been great. It's been terrific. And I can hardly remember when they didn't have that rule, but I thought it made it too much like college, and I loved that there was a difference, but I was wrong about that. I loved everything that they've ever stolen from the World Football League, the United States Football League, or the XFL, and the original XFL, and hopefully they'll steal more stuff from the new XFL, especially the stuff with the uh, the referees. So I love more teams in the playoffs. That's great. Yeah, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm on We never do frickin' frack radio. We just ask each other organically what our opinions are. So I'm not going to do what a lot of shows do and just take the other side and be phony.
Oh, you're not uh, going to debate the other side no, God, with an NBA me. with an NBA insider who has no sources, but he talks about Tom Brady moving to Vegas with right. a house that he never bought. Oh, you're not going to try to do that. Why not no. try to do that? It's very easy. We yeah. would have kept our we would have kept our jobs at Fox uh, if we would have did that more often. It's we not real. That. It's got to be organic. But I will tell you this: I, one thing I think the, the the big rule I think they need to change is none of this cloak and dagger stuff when it comes to penalties. The XFL, you 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 can hear in the booth, and you can hear the replay guys talking down on the, on the field. Let's hear it all. Full. What do they What do they call it in politics? What about full disclosure, full and, transparency? Uh, yeah, full transparency. Yes. Let's hear the referees in New York, in Secaucus, uh, wherever they are, who are Madison Avenue, mm-hmm. who are making these decisions. What's 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 the problem with turning their mics up and letting us hear it? Go ahead. Is that going to hurt the game? No, it'll be great. Well, I got some bad news. Okay. No one's talking the XFL. It's going into week three. It oh, was so good week one, week two. Now, I just did him a favor. I threw him a uh, bone. The biggest uh, enemy of the XFL is the Daytona 500. Oh, March, yeah. March Madness. Yeah. The Astros cheating scandal. Yeah. Uh, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. All of this is a nightmare for the XFL, but I want to wrap it up. At the and, and, then, yeah, and there'll be presidential primaries. You're right. Everything's going to take away from the XFL. The biggest problem, you know, in the 70s, there was a world football league with the NFL stole a lot of ideas from. Mm-hmm. And they played during, get this, JT, football season. <laughs> How about that? How about playing football during football season? We need some time to miss it. One one more point on this new playoff. So I live in Vegas, and the Raiders are coming here. The stadium is incredible. I mean, it looks like a Death Star, something out of a Star Wars movie. And you'll be coming off, and you'll be driving out with a band of renegade misfits from L.A. Yeah. You'll be racing. You'll be racing uh, through the 15, even though they have this this fake news that they're going to build a fast train someday oh, yeah, that, by the way that's been all my life the fast yeah. train the bullet train yeah that'll only go life. to that, that'll only go to victorville so everyone from vegas <laughs> will have to rent a car in victorville what a <laughs> terrible oh, that's for another one but here's yeah. the deal on the raiders and we'll wrap it up with this that patrick mahomes and you hear this in all my imaging on radio if you don't have patrick mahomes patrick mahomes is going to kick your ass for the next 10 years mm-hmm. i've said that till i'm blue in the face well now the raiders don't have to catch patrick mahomes John Gruden wants to, he will, Mike Mayock does. But now the Raiders, if they don't win the AFC West, they could come in third, fifth, sixth, or seventh and make the playoffs. And for the Patriots, for 20 years in Buffalo, New York, in New Jersey, New York with the Jets, and in Miami with the Dolphins, once the Patriots got off to a five and zero oh start, you know it was and over. The Dolph- and the Dolphins yeah. were two and three, and the Jets were two and three. Everybody said it's over. We're playing for the wild card. No more playing for the wild card, Tom. You're playing for the seven seed. I think it's going to be great for Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill, everybody in this league. Because if this format was in place last year, the Rams would have got in. With, with their record in the number two media market, and the Steelers, arguably the most proud franchise, six Super Bowls, would have gotten in. And they're going to have a fight to the finish going forward. I love this rule change. And I have one quick question for you because I need to get you on the record. I always mm-hmm. left Ooh. it alone. I let you be Switzerland for a long Ooh, time. Uh-oh. But the Raiders now this year officially will be the Las Vegas Raiders. 
the Raiders almost came to Los Angeles, and then boom, mm -hmm. JT moves to Las Vegas. Then, out of the clear blue sky, the Raiders are moving to Las Vegas. Did you secretly, behind the scenes, engineer that entire thing? A talk show host from Vegas got a, got a, got the Raiders to come to his city. A guy who, oh, that's right, works for the Raiders. Really, I, the, my conspiracy theory and the grassy knoll theory is this was a I smell JT the Brick's fingers all over this. Yes, Mark Davis sent me in the middle of the night to <laughs> Reno, Nevada on a private jet where I sat down with Governor Sandoval and one of the richest men in the world, Sheldon Adelson, and on a napkin at a diner. The governor, myself, and Sheldon Adelson drew, drew a map on the 15 freeway, and I had a dream that the Raiders would move to Vegas. So I've never said it before. Yes, I was sent on a private jet to Reno, where a nameless driver picked me up in a limo at the airport. I met with the governor and Sheldon Adelson, and I came up with the idea to move the Raiders to Las Vegas. I knew it the entire time. I knew it. You better put a disclaimer in there before I'm running for my life. <laughs> that was a joke, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening to the JT and Looney podcast. What episode was this, by the way? I believe it was episode 26, but there is a rule in talk radio, and I believe podcasting is technically talk radio. Never ask your on-air partner a question for which he does not know the answer. But I believe it's episode 26. 14 years working together, and I still haven't figured that out. <laughs>